The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. What's good, boys and girls? Two-footed podcast on Friday, January 28th, brought to you by EPLindex.com and a presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider, a virtual privacy network, allows you to go online, change your location, access whatever it is you're geoblocked from, while also keeping your data safe. Check out LibertyShield.com. Use the code EPL599 to get $599 off your first month. So first month for one quid, $699 thereafter. No contract, no long-term commitment, instant download to your device, libertyshield.com, the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you can find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 to get 10% off at checkout. Right, folks, it is a fantastic day for me. It's a fantastic day for Liverpool fans because it looks like Liverpool are about to do a signing. The club who do not like to spend money are about to spend some money. Now, I have done other podcasts on this already today. You can find the latest news round on Anfield Index Pro, myself, Eddie Gibbs, and Gags Tandon. You can find the Daily Red on Anfield Index, which is basically just me talking for 20 minutes about Luis Diaz. Oh, the Newsround side has gone out on the free side as well. So you can check that out over on Anfield Index. You can have a listen to them. There will be more about Luis Diaz in this podcast, though. So I do apologize 
to fans of all other clubs because I am going to wax lyrical about a player that I have fallen in love with over the last six months and the fact that it looks like Liverpool are about to sign him. But I will come to Luis Diaz. I'm going to wrap through everything else first just to try and cover all my bases. So let's start with the biggest potential signing of the January transfer window. Andy Carroll is set to have a medical at West Brom and sign a contract until the end of the season. Obviously, he has been playing for Reading for the last few months and rumoured to be on about a grand a week at Reading, just wanted to play football. Andy Carroll is somehow only 33 years of age. It has been 11 years since he signed for Liverpool. That is incredible. He played eight league matches for Reading, scored two goals, had a couple of absolute worldies disallowed for offside as well. But good to see him carrying on his career, even in the championship, even in the lower lower leagues, going out and playing, enjoying his football, hopefully staying fit. West Brom needed a striker because Daryl Dyke, who they brought in, was their big January signing, tore a muscle and is likely to be out for about eight weeks. So they needed another option up front. Carroll, he's not a spectacular signing. He's not going to get you... 10 goals between now and the end of the season, but he's a body he will help. So there's that. Arsenal are about to confirm the signing of Matt Turner, the United States international, 27-year-old goalkeeper, currently plays for New England Revolution, has been there for just shy of six years, has 14 international caps. By all accounts, a good goalkeeper, They look like they'll lose Bernard Leno, probably will go in the summer, and Turner will replace him as the primary backup to Aaron Ramsdale. So that will be one in the door for Arsenal. In a big shock, well, not a big, a big shock in that nobody reported on this. There was no rumours, no nothing about this. Aston Villa announced the signing yesterday of Callum Chambers from Arsenal. Now, it sounds like it's basically a free with a couple of add-ons if he plays X amount of games, uh, that might come to about a million quid. So a player that Arsenal signed seven and a half years ago for 17 million is leaving for basically nothing. His contract was up in the summer, but Arsenal did have a club option for next season that they could have triggered and then maybe gotten a fee for him. But Edu just doesn't know how to sell players, so they've just given him away for free. It's a good signing for Villa. Because they lost Axel Tunzebi when United brought him back from his loan there and then sent him out in another loan because they weren't happy with the minutes he was getting. So Chambers will be their fourth centre-back. He also gives them decent cover at right-back. And I think in the summer they'll go and they'll buy a quality starting centre-back to partner Esri Konza, which will mean Courtney House and Tyron Mings are the backups, assuming Mings stays, he might be sold. And then Chambers would be your fifth centre-back and your backup right-back. So, as a squad signing, I think Callum Chambers is a clever deal for Aston Villa. I think he's still only, like, 27. He's got plenty of experience, obviously, been around a long time. I thought this was a bit mad, though. He's been at Arsenal all that time. He's only played 122 games for them. While owned by Arsenal, he played 59 games on loan. 26 for Borough, 33 for Fulham. 
Uh, he played 25 games for full for Southampton before joining Arsenal. Obviously broke through in that 13-14 season, which was kind of the season a lot of their players came to people's attention and they had the big exodus. He started quite a few games at right back uh, with Luke Shaw at left back and then Jose Font and Lovren as the central defenders. Uh, Nat Klein was the first choice right back but had some injuries. Chambers obviously started some games in midfield that year. He also started games at centre-back filling in for Font and Lovren. So he is a versatile player and look, at 27, he's still got plenty left in the tank. He's only just turned 27 last week as well. So he is still a young player. Not a young player, but you know what I mean. Uh, Three England caps to his name, all back in 2014. It uh, doesn't look like he'll get any more. But yeah, I, I hope he can go to I hope he can go to Villa and play and enjoy himself and enjoy his career. Uh, he was at Arsenal for three FA Cup wins, but only ended up with one medal. Uh, he was on loan for another, and then he didn't play a single game in the third. So one FA Cup medal for him. But, you know, look, FA Cup medal is an FA Cup medal. Uh, what else do we have? Uh, Brazil played Ecuador last night. If you haven't seen it, go and watch it. What I saw, I only watched the highlights. It was mental, absolutely mental. And uh, Alison Becker was sent off twice, and both of them were overturned. So that was fun. Uh, Adama Traore has been pictured in Barcelona today. He is having a medical ahead of a loan move. Uh, unknown yet whether it's an option to buy or an obligation to buy. Contrasting reports coming out about that one. But it's a bizarre signing for Barcelona. Now, I know he came through the, their academy. And he is a Spanish international, but he, he's the most un-Barcelona player you could possibly imagine. I have doubts that they'll keep him. I, I will say that. I have doubts that they keep him. I wonder if they've just brought him in on loan because Ansu Fati's gotten injured again and they need a pacey wide player. And they're not going to play Dembele again by the looks of things because of the contract situation. So it does appear like he's been brought in as cover. Again, I don't think they'll keep him. Uh, Dusan Vlahovic has been pictured in Turin ahead of his medical to complete his deal for uh, to sign for Juventus from Fiorentina. Obviously, Arsenal wasted months and months and months trying to put that deal together for a player who had no interest in joining them. Juventus got the deal done pretty quickly, it must be said. Uh, Newcastle have reached an agreement for Bruno Gomerich from Lyon. Uh, fee in the region of 35 million plus another 5 million in add-ons. It's a hell of a deal for Newcastle. He is a tremendous player. I'm really, really surprised that Newcastle have been able to pull this one off. The bag of money must be huge. I would imagine that if they go down, there'll be a clause in his contract that sends him out on loan for 12 months because he's far too good to be toiling away in the championship. With with the greatest of respect to players in the championship, Bruno Gamera should be playing for a Champions League club. I mean, Arsenal have been pricking around for weeks and weeks and weeks. This is the guy they should have been signing. This is exactly what they need in midfield. Bruno Gomes is the perfect midfield addition for Arsenal next to Thomas Partey with his progressive passing, his creativity. He's a good defensive player. I really don't understand 
like Arsenal got all excited about trying to sign Vlahovic and were trying to loan in Artur from Juventus. Both of those deals are off for different reasons. The Vlahovic one was never on. But they could have just gone and bought him. They could have just gone and bought Bruno Gomerich for this type of money. Massive upgrade in midfield. Manchester United stumbling around in the dark, playing McFred or Matic in midfield. This guy would have been ideal for you. He would have been absolutely perfect. And yet he's going to Newcastle. Now, I get they're offering him big wages. United pay insane wages. Arsenal could have given him good wages. The fee is a bargain for a player of that level, that talent. So I I don't understand how that's been allowed to happen. I really think that's quite a funny one. Uh, Wayne Rooney says he was approached by Everton to interview for their vacant manager's job and that he turned it down. He says he believes he will be a Premier League manager someday. He believes he is ready for that level. I don't. I don't think he's ready for it. But he has a job at Derby which is important to him and he wants to stay there. I think that's massive. I think that's absolutely massive. So credit to him. I think it's really good. Um, Philippe Casado is on his way to Inter Milan. He's bang average at best, but he'll be a backup striker for them. Their big move of January was obviously bringing in Robin Gosens. Philippe Casado obviously once of Manchester City. Back when City got money and didn't know what to do with it, they signed players like Philippe Casado. Um, he has bounced around. He's been a squad player basically everywhere he's been. I think Locomotive Moscow, he was a starter. But look, he's a decent enough player, but he's not moving the needle for anybody. Uh, Stefano Sensi set to leave Inter on loan to join Sampdoria. and uh, Loan with no option to buy. Um, Max Eberl has announced he is stepping down as director of football or sporting director of Borussia Mönchengladbach at the end of this season. He's been there for 13 years. He has done a phenomenal job. A phenomenal job. This summer will mark 14 years in the role. I really want to see what he could do at a top club with a good budget behind him because he's always had to tread water at at Mönchengladbach. They just, they've never had the finances to allow him to really compete with the big hitters. And if I'm Everton and I have a vacant director of football position, I am going all in to get Max Eberl. If I'm Newcastle and I've got this project and all the money to spend, I'm going all in to get Max Eberl. One of them should be on the phone to him and his agent today trying to get that deal done because he is very, very good at what he does. He will be massive a massive improvement for both in terms of how they go about their business. Uh, let's run through the rest of the news then. So Gamerish, Diaz, Chambers, Diaz. Um, Adama. Andy Carroll. Uh, good tweet from Phil McNulty. 
Uh, Adama Traore to Barcelona, Luis Diaz to Liverpool. Not sure Antonio Conte will be in a good mood this morning. I would imagine he's right. I'd imagine he is. Uh, Antonio Conte is livid. Uh, the Daily Star, <laughs> they've taken things to a new level today. Uh, they've put on their back page Jesse Lingard in like a comedy convict outfit behind bars. And um, this is the only black and white they let me wear. Obviously, Newcastle were trying to sign him. and. United wanted ridiculous money to allow that deal to go through. So that one is off. And it looks like he's going to be stuck staying at United till the end of the season. Uh, tennis, no, thank you. Uh, Jesse Lingard apparently is furious as petrified United accused of pricing him out of a loan. Uh, Burnley facing 60 million hit if they go down. Uh, today is Frank Lampard's D-Day. According to the Daily Mail, Frank's big chance to nail down the Everton job. He's not a good manager. He's just not a good manager. Crystal Palace are believed to have made a loan offer for Donny van de Beek. And Valencia are believed to have done the same. United are set to make a decision on the player and see what they want to do with him for the rest of the season. He'd be a nice addition of Palace, I have to say. Uh, ben Brierton-Diaz, according to The Guardian, is a target for West Ham. I could see that. I could see that. And while I had doubts about a £20 million fee from the more I watch, the more I think that might not be a bad move at all. Um, the fee for Adama, if Barcelona do buy him in the summer... And this report says it's an it's an option, not an obligation. Will be twenty nine million pounds. Uh, Traore will have one year left in his contract come the summer, so that makes sense. Um, Everton owner Farhad Mashiri will hold a final round of talks on Friday before deciding on a managerial successor to replace Rafa Benitez. Mashiri pulled back from appointing Pereira and is set to meet Pereira, Frank Lampard. And Duncan Ferguson. I mean, Jesus, Lord wept. There's only one choice there. It's Pereira. Lampard's a bad manager. And Big Dunk is not a manager. He's not a manager. He might be a club legend in whatever twisted reality you live in. But he's not a manager. And Lampard is just outright a bad manager. Uh, Jack Wilshire is waiting for a chance to return. He is looking for a club. He's been training with Arsenal for three months. Obviously, at his very best, when he was like 18, 19, Jack Wiltshire looked like he was going to be the future of English football. His career hasn't panned out. Injuries and whatever else derailed it. But he's only 30. There's got to be a club out there that needs Jack Wiltshire. There's got to be a club out there. Jack Wiltshire would be outstanding in the Championship. There's got to be a championship club out there looking for Jack Wilshire to come in and make a difference for them. Uh, James Ducker in The Telegraph has said that Burnley are in advanced talks to sign Voot Weghorst and Mislav Orsic. Uh, so hopefully both of them get done today. He also reports that Manchester City are expected to open talks with Raheem Sterling over a new contract before the end of the season. And he says both parties 
are fairly relaxed. Now, there's been obviously quite a bit of Sterling being unhappy, Sterling maybe not being wanted by Pep and all that kind of talk. But it looks like he is going to stick around and sign a new contract. Mike McGrath of The Telegraph says Everton are braced for Dominic Calvert-Lewin to be targeted by clubs. The England forward has been part of recruitment discussions at Newcastle this week and Arsenal hold a long-term interest. I think if Arsenal do get a big a big money striker, it probably will be Calvert-Lewin. Uh, I know for a fact United have interest in him. And if Newcastle are in as well, now they won't sell him in this, this window. It would be suicidal to sell him in this window. You might as well just ring the EFL and say, look, just hold us a place in the championship next season. We're on our way. Um, they need Calvert-Lewin for the rest of the season. They need him long-term, but I think that ship may have sailed because they've just been so pathetically bad. Uh, Juventus have received a bid for Rodrigo Bentancur, 20 million euro plus 5 million in add-ons. It's unlikely to be accepted because Juventus have to pay 30 million of a future sale to Boca Juniors, but this was an opening bid. I would expect that we'll see Villa go back with a bigger offer. Uh, Middlesbrough striker Iquezu, Uche Iquezu, I don't know anything about him, I have to say. He is potentially set to join Cardiff on a permanent deal. Also interest from West Brom, Hull City and Millwall. Uh, guy is telling me he was a Neil Warnock striker, so he wouldn't really fit into what Chris Wilder is doing. Um, Keith Downey from Sky Sports is reporting that Newcastle are expected to go back with a second bid for Dan Byrne. They seem to have zeroed in on him as someone they want to bring in. Uh, Buy Matt Phillips, lads. Seriously. Matt Phillips. Brighton maintain pursuit of teenage Paraguay midfielder uh, Julio Enciso. 18-year-old Paraguayan midfielder is apparently on the Brighton radar. Uh, more on Gimerish. Juventus have tweeted a picture of Dusan Vlahovic at their medical centre. They're obviously getting very excited. James Olly says Arsenal are set for a late, late scramble to try and sign a striker before the deadline. Reintegrating Aubameyang viewed as last resort. But to get someone new, they will have to pay big now to land preferred target or compromise on a short-term option. Andy Carroll's available there, lads. Maybe make a move. There has been talk of multiple bids uh, for loan offers for Aubameyang. Juventus, one of the clubs set to be, said to be interested. I think that's probably gone now with the signing of Lavic. But certainly if, if Aubameyang is available, there will be clubs that want him. He's got a proven track record. Yes, the last 18 months haven't been good. But the guy's pedigree is unquestionable. You, you can't have doubts over the pedigree of Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Um, Stoke youngster Demarzio Wright-Phillips has signed a new two-and-a-half-year deal at the club. He's obviously the son of Sean, the grandson of Ian Wright. And he made his debut earlier this season. And looks a, looks a half-decent player, it must be said. Uh, what else do we have here? Tottenham. Tottenham's bid for non-league talent Ollie Tanner has been accepted by Lewis. So at least they're getting one across the line. 
Uh, Walsall are delighted to announce the signing of Reese Devine from Manchester United until the end of the season. Congrats to them. Liverpool have sent a delegation to South America to do the medical for Luis Diaz. More on that in a few minutes. Um, Alison Bender, don't know who she is, has said Frank Lampard is a really good fit for the managerial position at Everton and is the choice of the fans. The fans at Everton are so disgruntled that they really have to get this right. Lampard will be a really good fit, particularly with what he could bring to the club in terms of new players. I don't know what that means. I really don't know what that means. She goes on to say, Vitor Pereira has an amazing CV, but when you're fighting at the bottom of the table, Premier League experience is hugely important. I'm not sure Pereira would have the same pulling power as Lampard. What is this tripe? What is this tripe? What pulling power does he have? We've seen no indication that he has pulling power in any way. He got a few lads in on loan at Derby from Chelsea because of Chelsea and Lampard. He signed a bunch of bad players. Go and look at Derby County's business in the summer that Lampard took over. In fact, do you know what? We'll do it now because this needs to be put in the bin that Lampard is, is some sort of transfer guru. So they signed Florian Josephson, who doesn't play for the club anymore. Jack Marriott, who doesn't play for the club anymore. George Evans, who doesn't play for the club anymore. Scott Malone, guess what? Doesn't play for the club anymore. Martin Waghorn, doesn't play for the club anymore. Dwayne Holmes doesn't play for the club anymore. Effie Ambrose doesn't play for the club anymore. Ashley Cole doesn't play for the club anymore. They signed Harry Halwax, who is a, an Irish goalkeeper that I've never heard of, and Josh Sonnybear. Now, they're young players. They're likely still there in the academy. But none of those players that Lampard signed, for a combined fee of around £12 million, plus all the wages, and you know Ashley Cole didn't come cheap, plus the loans of Mason Mount, Harry Wilson, Fikayo Tamore, Andy King, and Rowan Roach. They send all of them. Rowan Roach doesn't play for them anymore. None, none of them ended up staying permanently, obviously. They added all that money to the wage bill, spent all that money, and failed. They finished sixth the year before, sixth that season. And if you can tell me what his experience of making Chelsea at the top of the league worse is going to have any bearing on him doing a job at Everton. What, what's the link here? Like, what is the link? What has Lampard done to suggest he's a good fit? He's shown he's not a good manager. He's never shown that he's got pulling power. At Chelsea, he signed players because they're Chelsea. At Derby, he signed, well, a bunch of nobodies, a bunch of average players, a bunch of lads who don't play for the club anymore. None of them worked out. The loan signings he got in because of his connections with Chelsea. There's no pulling power here. He's the choice of the fans. Behave yourself. The fans having a breeze. The fans like Lampard because he shouted at Klopp once. So here's some views from Lampard. Noel says Frank Lampard for me. He knows the Premier League and he will give the youngsters a chance to prove themselves. My vote goes to Frank. 
What tripe? He knows the Premier League. Behave yourself. Jurgen Klopp, Pep Guardiola and Antonio Conte didn't know the Premier League before they came here. They've all dominated the league. Mourinho didn't know it before he came here. Dominated the league. Arsene Wenger didn't know it before he came here. Won multiple league titles. This idea that you need to know the Premier League is crap. I don't think... Liam says I don't think either of them deserves, deserves the jobs. If forced to pick out of the current contacts, uh, co- candidates, it would be Lampard. But he was available when we appointed Benitez. Why has no other club gone to him since ever, gone for him since Chelsea? Ask yourself that question. Ask yourself that question. Chris says the board needs to stop panicking, looking for instant success from supro- su- supposed big-name managers. This hasn't worked for the last several years. They must think more long-term. By getting a young, resourceful manager who would be given time, get Lampard. Right, first of all, Lampard walked away from Derby the first time a a better job came along. So why wouldn't he do the same thing to Everton if he has even a modicum of success? Secondly, you don't have a long-term plan. You have a let's-stay-in-the-division plan. Jerry at least has common sense. Lampard does not have the credentials to manage a Premier League team. He ditched Derby and failed miserably at Chelsea. Is this the the level Everton have got to? Rummaging around the scraps left in the bin. Jerry is the only sensible fan of Everton Football Club. Well done, Jerry. Congrats on being the only sensible fan. Uh, Brighton, yeah, they turned down the first bid. They're expecting a second. Chelsea are one of the club's tracking Charlton striker Mason Burstow. Uh, another Premier League club has already made an offer for the teen star who has been playing League One football. Interesting. One to keep an eye on. Uh, you'd imagine Palace and a few others, maybe Brentford are involved in that kind of a deal, always looking to bring up quality young players. Eddie House says Newcastle are hopeful of getting closer to completing a transfer for a player I'd imagine that's Bruno Gomerish. Uh, asked specifically about Gomerish. Anyhow, says you can guess it's certain. You can guess it certainly. There'd be no confirmation from me. I think it would be foolish of me to do so, but we are hopeful of getting closer. So yeah, fair play. Anyhow, downplaying things, not wanting to get caught up. But look, if they pull that off, that's a, a magnificent signing. It really is. Uh, Sky Italia are saying that Juventus have rejected Aston Villa's bid. Uh, Paul Pogba is a priority for PSG because, you know, why not add another clown to your circus? Uh, Newcastle's head of recruitment, Steve Nixon, is in Brazil to seal the signing of Bruno Gomerich. Well, Bruno Gomerich, I think, is still in Ecuador, so, you know, he'll have to wait. Uh, Agreement on the initial fee is done. Uh, Craig Hope says Mitchell Backer now looks unlikely to be a signing for Leverkusen, but they are still trying for Dan Byrne. Craig Hope is the best in the business when it comes to Newcastle. Uh, Iliax Moreba has signed on loan at Valencia until the end of the season. Obviously left Barca to go to RB Leipzig. It hasn't gone brilliantly, but they're still hopeful. Uh, Luke Edwards says, as reported earlier this week, Mitchell Backer is off and hasn't been on for days. Sadly, Newcastle pursuit of Jesse Lingard is also over. The hope is to confirm three more signings before the window closes. I'm guessing Byrne 
Gimerish and, and one more. Um, Graham Bailey, Liverpool have agreed terms for Luis Diaz, which is 37 million up front, followed by 15 million in add-ons, long-term target, and they've now beaten Spurs, who made a bid last week. The arrival of Diaz could see Liverpool allow Divock Origi and Taki Minamino to go. Both have been subject of offers. And ooh, they would also take Fabio Carvalho this month if Fulham agreed to deal. It's well known Liverpool are in on Carvalho. He's most likely a summer signing. But if Fulham want to get a bit, a bit of extra cash, he might arrive this month as well. Maybe they could do a deal where he goes back on loan to Fulham until the end of the season. Who knows? Um, what else do we have here? That is it. Uh, Lingard will be worth it if Newcastle stayed up. So, yeah, this is talk about the 12 million. So, Manchester United wanted 6 million as a loan fee, and another 6 million. What if Newcastle stayed up? That is that is some nonsense. That is some nonsense. Um, right, that's all of that. Right, so the big one for me, you know what, I'm going to take a break. When I come back, we'll get into Diaz. I will see you in a minute. Right, welcome back. So, if you're not a Liverpool fan, this part might not, might not interest you. If you are a Liverpool fan and you're an Anfield Index listener, you might have already heard me say pretty much everything I'm about to say. But, the Diaz deal. So, it looks like Liverpool had him as a summer target, someone they planned to bring in in June. And with Tottenham making moves for him, and by all accounts being quite close to agreeing a fee, Liverpool have made their push. And Diaz has chosen Liverpool over Spurs. Now, that's understandable that he would do that, obviously. Liverpool are a bigger club. They're a better team right now. He's walking into a team that's going to compete for the title in the Champions League for the next few years. At £35 million, he's right in Liverpool's wheelhouse. That's a very similar type of deal to what they did for Diogo Jota. I think they paid 40 and like 12 million in add-ons, or maybe 39 and 12 million in add-ons for Jota. So this is a very similar deal. Liverpool love to sign a player, a forward player, for around this type of fee. Um, Salah was 36 million in add-ons. Mane was 34 million in add-ons. So they love this type of fee. They love this type of profile. Uh, Sam Maguire, who some of you will know, has a brilliant Patreon where he writes profiles on players and a bunch of different stuff. But he's done a couple on Diaz. And he digs into the numbers. And Sam has a fairly good idea of the parameters that Liverpool look for. You know, the, the type of profile that they identify when they go to sign a wide forward. And Diaz ticked all the boxes. And the concern was, obviously, the fee. Because we'd heard of Manchester United been interested. We heard of Liverpool been interested. And other clubs been interested. And this buyout clause of 80 million. And I said all along, don't believe any of that. Look at the facts. The facts of the matter are, in the summer, they were prepared to sell him off the back of a fantastic Copa America to Everton for like 20, 25 million and James Rodriguez. So basically 25 million. 
And that fell apart because James either didn't want to go back to Porto or didn't want to take a big pay cut or something along those lines. So he toddled off to Qatar to do whatever it is James Rodriguez does over there. He did save someone's life, I think, recently. So credit to him for that. But uh, obviously, as a player, he's done. So I had a feeling that the fee would be somewhere in the 35 to 40 million range. But again, I didn't think Liverpool would do anything this window because all the reports from the, the local patch journalists were Liverpool won't do anything this summer. The one story we'd heard was from David Ornstein saying Liverpool were keen on Chuameni. And my feeling on that is when Ornstein reports something, it's closer to done than he will let on. So last year, he reports that Ibrahim Akanate was a player Liverpool were working on a deal for. By the time he said that, that deal was basically done. It took a little bit of finagling because he had a buyout clause. Liverpool didn't want to pay it all in one lump sum. So they had to agree a slightly higher fee so that they could pay it in instalments. So that's how that one worked. And I think the Chiuameni one might be further progressed than Ornstein said. Um, but so I thought maybe that one is brought forward. Maybe they look at it and think we're we're really struggling in midfield this season. Henderson's been so poor. Milner's finished. Thiago's more injury prone this season. Uh, Klopp doesn't seem to trust Naby Keita. Ox is hit and miss. Harvey Elliott's been injured for a long time. Defensively, we're not strong enough in midfield for the way we play. So. Let's bring that one forward and get that one done. So I thought if we were going to do anything, that would be the deal. But it does seem like the Tottenham interest in Diaz is what pushed this one forward and pushed Liverpool to jump. They're getting a 25-year-old right-footed left winger who has been on fire this season. 16 goals and 6 assists in 28 appearances. His per minute number, goals and assists per minute, is is outstanding across the season. And he's coming in with no real pressure because he won't be expected to start straight away. Liverpool already have Salah, Jota, Mane, Firmino. So he can be brought along slowly. Why this works is that the plan was to bring him in the summer. You knew that it was going to take him a few months to adapt to playing under Klopp. So it might be Christmas time before you really start to see the best of them, as was the case with Andy Robertson, as was the case with Fabinho. Players don't immediately adapt to how Liverpool play because of the demands put on the players by Jurgen Klopp due to the pressing nature of Liverpool's style of football. But now you basically get a free hit for six months. You now have all the rest of the season and then all of pre-season to make sure that come the start of next season, he is 100% integrated into the system, familiar with what his role will be, aware of the different intricacies and quirks of the system. He'll be ready to go for next season. So anything you get between now and the end of this season is just a big bonus because you weren't expecting to have him. You were expecting to have Taki Minamino and Divock Origi. With Divock Origi, He's had some big, big moments in his Liverpool career. But nobody wants to rely on Divock. Tacky's clearly a good player. 
He's just not good enough for Liverpool. He's more than good enough for most teams. He's just not good enough for Liverpool. He's also an awkward fit at Liverpool because of how Liverpool play. Liverpool play a 4-3-3. Taki Minamino's best position is one of two attacking midfielders in a box midfield. That's where he thrived at Salzburg. Him and Dominic behind Haaland and Wang. That was the front four. Off the ball, he would drop out and play right wing. That doesn't exist in the Liverpool team. So he was always a little bit of a square peg in a round hole. But he's clearly a good player. So they will now be able to sell him. Rumours are they've had approaches from Leeds and Monaco and probably a couple of other clubs about about bringing him in. Now, they may be loans and maybe Liverpool will be open to a loan with an obligation to buy in the summer and make sure that that money is coming in. I think they'll look to sell Origi, whose contract is up, and I don't think they want to keep him any longer. I think Nat Phillips will go. It would be no surprise to me if he ends up at Newcastle. Potentially Watford could do a, a loan with an obligation to buy if they stay up type of deal. And if Liverpool sold the three of them, that would basically cover the cost of Luis Diaz. So they'd come out of this window with no net spend. They could also sell Nico Williams because he's really going to play the back end of this season. And they have Milner and they have Connor Bradley. So they don't really need Nico Williams. They have Reese Williams back on loan from Swansea. So he can fill in for Nat Phillips. So they don't need Nat Phillips. With the way Kate, the way Kate Gordon has developed this season, they don't need Tacky. And with the signing of Diaz, they don't need Divock. So they could let all four of them go, come out of the window with a net profit, and be stronger. And not miss any of the players that are gone because they'll have replaced them internally. Now, right back is a position that should be addressed in the summer. They might want to bring in a centre-back in the summer if Gomez goes. But they'll be in a strong position defensively as long as Gomez, you know, if Gomez stays, they'll have him, Kanate, Matip and Van Dijk. That's perfect. Robertson and Simicus. Simicus might want to go. He might want to go start somewhere regularly. He may not. He may be happy enough to stick around another year. Gomez, the same. I think you're, you're going to be replacing them eventually because they're not going to want to stay for the whole career as backups. But for now, they're great backups to have. The only need would be at right back. The goalkeeping situation is good. Allison, Kelleher, Pitaluga, Yaros, and then obviously Adrian just as the training ground goalkeeper. So that's a good position to be in. Diaz gives them their six attackers for now. Salah, Jota, Mane, Gordon, Firmino, Diaz. My expectation is that Mane goes in the summer. Diaz becomes the starter and potentially then they look to bring in another attacker to fill that role. Uh, It could be that that's where they see Fabio Carvalho. That Carvalho becomes the kind of backup on the left side of the front three while also playing in other positions. That could be his role. And that's the rumour today is that they may well move for Carvalho as well. There's also some links to Matthias Cunha of Atletico Madrid. I'm not going to get too excited about that one. I don't think it happens. But I know he's someone they have an interest in in the past. Which means that come the summer, if they get Carvalho and Diaz in, they can let Mane go in the summer and not have to worry about trying to replace him. And 
all they need to do then is focus on that backup right back and the midfield. Now, I think Naby Keita could go, but I don't think Chiuameni will come in. Now, he might not come in, but I think someone of that nature will come in. So, that's one in, one out, and you're getting stronger defensively. He can play as a six or an eight, and be a starter in either position. Long term, he's the back, he's the successor to Fabinho. Short term, he might be the one who, you know, plays instead of Thiago. Thiago could play right side in some games. It's just a signing that makes sense. And I think they might go for one more kind of high-end player in midfield. And they might keep their powder dry and wait for Bellingham in 2023. And just put their faith in Harvey Elliott as the right-sided midfielder for next season. That could be the plan. So maybe it's Elliott and Henderson. Oh, sorry, Elliott and Jones is the backup there. And then you get, say, Thiago and Chuameni as the left-sided ones and Henderson behind Fabinho in the the number six depth chart. But Chuameni would be the one that you'd be wanting to play there if Fabinho's out. Um they could let Ox go. I think they try and keep him as a as a utility player. But you know, it it it's easy to see a path for Liverpool really improving the squad massively over the next six months, and then come the summer twenty twenty three, only really needing one player, and only targeting one player, and going all in chips to the middle of the table on Jude Bellingham, and doing this sort of rebuild in stages as they're doing rather than. There'd been a lot of talk of, you know, trying to do a big summer overhaul. It was never really likely. I I, I think in the summer they'll look to bring in three or four. Um, four if Carvalho doesn't arrive this month. Three if he does. But that's not a huge changeover. There'll be players leaving, obviously. Milner will go. Um, Nico will go if he doesn't go this month. Phillips will go if he doesn't go this month. That type of thing. They won't. They won't lose anyone important unless they decide to. So they could decide to sell Gomez. They could decide to sell Naby. They could decide to sell Ox. But they'll be able to replace them then. They'll have that money coming in. Monaco are long rumoured to have interest in Naby Keita. So maybe there's a swap deal there to be done. Naby plus cash for Chiuameni. That could very well be a deal that they look to do. Um, but Diaz is the start of this next phase. And it's really nice to see Liverpool being aggressive in the transfer market and going out and getting the player that they want. And it's a really good sign that they've done this because oftentimes they've let players that they did want kind of slip through the net and they've just pivoted to a different target. And that target has worked out really well. So there's never been an issue with that. But this is a really promising sign of their intent. And it's really promising as well that he wants this move. He has picked Liverpool over Spurs. He wants to come and play at this club. And he's going to be arriving into a team with plenty of world-class players and lads that will, will really show him what it takes to get to the next level. So he wants to be the best player he can be. And I think he has the potential to, at some point over his Liverpool career, be the best player in the Premier League. I think he's got that much ability. He reminds me of a... He's, I think he's a hybrid of Suarez and Mane. 
He's the Mane-style wide forward, that really pacey player. Now, I I didn't think he had the same kind of burst as Mane, because Mane was lightning at his best. But I saw numbers today that his highest ever clocked speed in a Champions League game is higher than Mane or Salah. So that's very promising. He's got that direct nature of Mane. He's got that unpredictability of Suarez. He's got that real fight of Suarez. The gnarl of Suarez. He's a little bit horrible at times. He's not big, but he's wiry. He's kind of lanky and wiry. He's only 5'10", but he's, he's skinny. But he's got inner strength, like an inner core strength, similar to Mane, similar to Salah. And he'll see now what their habits are in the gym. So those type of things will really help him. Being able to see how Mane and Salah work. Being able to see what it takes to become a truly elite player. And he's been the best player everywhere he's been. Breaking news from David Ornstein. Tottenham are working on a deal to sign... Dejan Kulisevsky from Juventus. 21-year-old Sweden attacker contracted till 2025. So if a deal, a deal happens, expect loan plus option or obligation to buy. Paratici a big admirer. Paratici signed him for Juventus. Overpaid at the time, but he's a big, big talent. And he's a much better fit for Spurs than Luis Diaz because he's a left-footed, right-sided attacker. Diaz plays the same position as Young Min Son, but Kulisevsky, Kane, and Son, that's a front three that will really work for Spurs. I wonder what it means for Brian Hill, who hasn't really settled in, hasn't been impressive in most of his outings. Super talented. You can see there's something there, but it hasn't really gone all that well for me yet. Now, maybe he goes out on loan somewhere. Arsenal had been linked with a move for Kulisevsky. And it made no sense because they already have two left-footed right-wingers. One costs $72 million in Nicola Pepe. And the other is probably their best player in Bukayo Saka. So it made no sense for them to sign him. I didn't think it made a whole bunch of sense for Spurs to sign Diaz other than the fact that he's a really good player. And you could move Son, I suppose, to the right side. But this is a more natural fit. And Juventus obviously will want to be getting some money in because they're paying 70 million euro or whatever it is for um, for Vlahovic. Plus, their obligation to buy Federico Chiesa is up this summer. They have to pay, I think it's 45 million pounds or the equivalent of 45 million pounds this summer. So they will want to get uh, money coming in the door. And Kulisevsky makes sense. He hasn't really made his mark at Ju at Juventus. There's no questioning his talent, but the Juventus move came a little bit too early. But I really do think he is a cracking target for Spurs. I really like that. I think that's very, very impressive. And he's yet another one that came through the talent machine at Atalanta. And I've just seen a tweet here. Robin Gosens, Dejan Kulisevsky 
Alessandro Bastoni, Frank Kessie, Andrea Conte, Brian Cristante, Ahmad Diallo, Gianluca Mancini, Roberto Gagliardini, Timothy Castagne, signed for peanuts, sold for over 250 million. I would also add Christian Romero, they doubled their money on him, and the other centre-back, whose name escapes me, Caldara. Caldara. He came through their academy, if memory serves, and they sold him for big money to Juventus. Uh, yeah, Mattia Caldara signed for Juventus for 25 million. Juventus then swapped him with Milan for Benucci, who'd obviously gone there on a short term thing and hadn't worked out. Benucci went back to Juve and Caldara went there, and then he had just such bad luck. I think he tore his ACL and then he tore his Achilles tendon. Um, and it, it really did impact his career badly. Currently on loan at Venezia, but doing pretty well. But owned by Atalanta, who, who brought him back in for pennies. Second him around. Atalanta are sensational, what they do. Like, Kulusevsky, he played three games for them. Three games for them. And Juventus bought him for... 35 million euro rising to 44 million euro because he'd done really well on loan with Parma. Ahmad Diallo, they brought through their academy and I think he played about six games for them, five games for them, and they sold him to United for 25 million rising to 40 million. Like, that's outstanding. Two players that were surplus to requirements anyway, and you're getting in potentially 85 million euro. That's magnificent. Anyway, back to Diaz. I, I, this is just a great day, and it's a great day for many reasons. It's a great day because Liverpool are doing a signing. They've signed a player from under the nose of a rival, and they signed a player that the great man himself, Spoofrizio, said there's nothing between Liverpool and Diaz. He tried to claim Liverpool had watched him three times. If Liverpool have bought, are buying this guy, they've watched him 50 times. So he makes it up as he goes along. He was completely wrong about it. Like he was wrong when he called the Gamerish deal the other day and said it was done when it wasn't. Like he was wrong about Sarah Ousman when he said that he had all agreed to go to Leon and then he signed for Bayer Leverkusen. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Here we go. You're a spoofer. Now, that is it. I'm going to do the gossip and leave for the day. Juventus are, have agreed to sign Duzovlavic. We know that one. Wolves are confident of holding on to Ruben Neves until the summer, despite interest from Manchester United and Arsenal. Heavily linked with Arsenal in the last couple of days. Um, Tottenham are interested in Bayern Munich's 25-year-old German goalkeeper, Alexander Nubel, uh, who is currently on loan at Monaco. He'd be a very good long-term signing for them. Super talented. Made a bad career decision going to Bayern when he did, but super talented. Paris Saint-Germain are closing in on the signing of Tanguy Enzambele on loan. Um, I still think Spurs should be pushing to get Diallo back. Abdou Diallo, I think he'd be perfect for Conte's back three. Rangers have joined the race to sign James McAtee on loan from Manchester City. Southampton, Brighton, Aston Villa and Leicester also interested. Roma boss Jose Mourinho remains hopeful. 
the Syriac side can sign Granit Xhaka. Surely Arsenal can't let anybody else go. It's already been like a mini exodus this month. Why, like, you had the lucky escape of not signing Xhaka in the summer. Why are you back at the well? West Ham's top two targets for January are Armando Brogia and Ben Briarton-Diaz, right? Brogia can't be a target for January because he's on loan for the season in Southampton, and there's no way for Chelsea to break that loan. So that's nonsense. But Diaz makes sense. And as I said earlier, the more I watch him, the more I think Ben Briarton-Diaz. I don't know why I called him Diaz. He's Ben Briarton. Um, next he'd be calling himself Benjamin Brereton. He should call himself Benjamin Brereton Diaz. It'd be fantastic. Everton, Leeds, and Wolves are also also interested in signing Broja in the summer. Aston Villa turned down a bid of thirty million from an unnamed Premier League team for Douglas Luiz. Allow me to name that team. It was Arsenal. Arsenal's chase of Cody Gakpo will have to wait until the summer, as PSV Eindhoven have tied him down to a contract extension. I assume they've put a buyout clause into his deal. Arsenal have agreed a deal signed, Matt Turner. We have that one. Aston Villa, Everton and Leicester are monitoring Jesse Lingard's situation with the Manchester United attacking midfielders move to Newcastle having collapsed. Uh, Barcelona have made contact, contact with Borussia Dortmund over Thomas Mounier. Get all the mediocre right-backs. All of them. Chelsea offered Leon three million in compensation to bring Emerson Palmieri back early from his season-long loan, but saw the attempt rejected. They could not wait to get rid of him in the summer. Like they were so excited to be rid of him, and now they're desperate to bring him back. Ashley Young, who can play as a midfielder or oh, sorry, as a defender or winger, has turned down a move to Newcastle. I, I I just, I can't believe that's true. I just can't believe that that is true. It, it just couldn't be. That would be, it would be too funny if that was true. And I think that's it, folks. Um, apologies to, oh yeah, so Barcelona have also made an official approach for Aubameyang, according to David Ornstein. Uh, unclear what Arsenal will do, talks ongoing with both. I'm guessing the Juventus one came before the Vlahovic deal got done. Um, yeah, apologies to Spurs fans. Apologies especially to Kevin DeVries, who just deserves better. But Kulisevsky, for what you need and how your team sets up and the fact that you already have Youngman's son, Kulisevsky makes more sense. He really does make more sense. Um, yeah, so that's it then. That's it for me. That's it for this week. Uh, I'll be back Monday. And um, the following week, the week starting, I think it starts the 7th of February. One of the days that week, yeah, it starts 7th. Probably the Wednesday of that week, I will have what will be part two of the transfer window roundup with Kevin DeVries that we do after every transfer window. So he's going to put part one out, I think, on the Sunday on the EPL EPL roundtable feed. And then we'll do part we'll do part two on this feed on the on Wednesday the 9th. I'm guessing that's probably the best day to do it. Um so yeah, that's to look forward to. I will speak to you all on Monday. Enjoy your weekends. Stay safe. 
and uh, Louis Diaz is a red. Bye bye. Podcast Network.